Hello friends. My name is Jude Mark McGowan and welcome to Words Fail Me, a podcast about thriving with dyslexia. This podcast was funded by the National Lottery Community Fund and Epic Projects, or the Ecumenical Project for International Cooperation, who are a US-based non-profit organization. Go to their website, epicprojects.org. Our guest today is the founder and host of the Conseo de Veron podcast, Oscar Armendariz. Oscar's schooling is a very familiar story for all dyslexics, and it's typified by one incident in particular. Uh, Oscar's skill with computer programming meant he could teach the entire class how to code for a, for a project. And they all received A's, but because of Oscar's spelling, he only received a B. Growing up in Olympia, Washington, Oscar gained a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering with a major in robotics from Washington State University. And after leaving university, he went on to become a successful capital investment manager, managing projects in the US and Mexico. The aim of his podcast is to empower Latino men to success, building a legacy and finding spiritual fulfillment. As always, this is a podcast to support the brilliant work of the Dyslexia Foundation. Their mission is to unlock the full potential of dyslexic people so that they can succeed and contribute fully to society. They do incredible work, they teach any adult off the street and they teach them to read for free. And they have a free online screening tool which you can use to assess yourself or a loved one for dyslexia. I found this chat with Oscar to be fascinating and um, this is a double bill. This is a special uh, treat we have for you. Um, we have this episode in English and in Spanish as well. Uh, so um, if, <laughs> if you're bilingual, um, you'll be able to, to make the comparison. Uh, I really enjoyed speaking with Oscar and I think you're going to love the conversation. So here it goes. Oscar. Welcome. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Thank you, Judith. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Um, so first off, uh, the listener won't be able to see this, but Oscar has, um, I believe it's, it's, it's an image of, uh, from his podcast of a, of a chess piece behind him right. hanging up. Yes. Um, I want to talk about that when I jump in there. What's the significance of chess in your life? What, why is it <laughs> such a powerful image for you? So the chess piece, the knight, it's, it's just a strategy, strategy game. It's, it's all about chess. Uh, mm. So I have a, a, a funny story on, on chess because um, my dad plays chess. He was champ, a regional champion uh, in Mexico out of three states. And uh, he taught me how to play oh. chess when I was very young. I was five or six years old. And he taught me how to play. And, um, and I learned how to play. <laughs> and... Uh, I was never really that good on chess, but I loved the strategy portion. Yeah. And um, so I, I, I worked and I developed that. And at and one time I was uh, on, a, on a small tournament, just, you know, little kids tournament. And I was losing every single game, every single game I was losing. There was, everybody was just beating me and beating me. And then the last game I was playing against, you know, before I was actually out, because there was no way for me to be uh, continue on the game, right. uh, on the tournament. Uh, yeah. But on the last game, I, I actually played to the guy that was winning every single game, and I won that one. Wow! I won that game, and uh, that made me realize that uh, I'm actually good in strategy. I just have other disadvantages. 
So yeah. um, I love strategy and, and that's, that's why that's important to me. So, so what does it serve as a symbol for you that what about endeavoring and, and through endeavor that, you know, do you do have innate skills in terms of strategizing that you can use? Yeah. I mean, uh, there is, there is, um, uh, the thing about chess is that you may seem that you are losing the game at, at many portions of the game. Um, but then if you, if you are good in strategy, uh, you can lead your opponent to believe he's actually winning. When in reality, you're just drawing him to your own game. And yeah. then uh, next thing you know, you, you you can actually make the two or three moves and and they're trapped and, and then you can take over the game. Uh, so there's there's that deceiving portion where, where everybody sees you as something, maybe weak, maybe uh, less than. Uh, but, but you have the strategy in your mind and, and as long as you know what you're doing and you can make it work, um, that's what I love about chess because, uh, me having dyslexia, you know, that made me feel less all the time when I was in school or growing up just because, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't do the grades like everybody else. I don't do the, the testing like everybody else, you know, like everything was just more painful and slowly for me than everybody else. So, mm. but it, uh, uh, something in the bottom of my heart, in the bottom of my mind, I knew I have something to give, um, and 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 the chess, especially that piece right there, the knight. Mm. You know, it, it's it's not a direct attack. You just got to move one way and then two over. Uh, so you know, it's it's a little bit deceiving. They see you one way, but you can be very powerful. Yeah. So the idea of deception and strategy is 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 one that you've. You've utilized, I'm guessing, for you, for your, for the, for your business, and 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 for the things that you you've pursued. Um, not purposely, <laughs> uh, <laughs> just just because you know I I don't I don't go around trying to deceive people. I, I no. see that as wrong, but mm. I do I do see people seeing not only me but others as opponents, and they might think, oh, I can take this guy on on this business, or I can take this guy on, you know, I love martial arts too. You know, they can be mm. like, oh, martial arts, I can take this guy because he doesn't seem like he's much. Uh, yeah. But but you have an inner strength, you have an inner you that nobody sees. And yeah. and what you project, what people see it out, out of you may not be, and actually most of the time, it, it is not who you are mm. and what you can offer to this world. Absolutely, I mean, I, I've done some jujitsu. Um, in the past, and that is all about that's a physical chess game. You know, that's under extreme stress and duress, um, how you can deceive your opponent into thinking he might be moving one way, and then you're already having to think about two, three moves in the future. Right, right. Yeah. What martial arts have you been um have you been doing? Um well martial arts, I, I actually uh, uh did a bunch uh taekwondo, camp American Kempo. Um uh, uh, what's the other one? The Filipino uh, martial arts with the sticks. I forgot the name. Uh, in any case, that one I done boxing. Um, I never done jujitsu, although it's it's on my list of things I I want to do. At least try it a little bit and see what it's like. But yeah. I did. I have done a number of martial arts. But it's great because there's no there's no striking, you know. So there's there's less serious head injuries, you know, because you're either going to get choked out or you're you know you'll tap before. You, a limb is broken or, or, or something like that. And you're, you, you know, sport for it in the U S there's so many Brazilian starting schools all over the U S. 
Yeah, I mean, um, I love the idea of, you know, just, they say, you know, stay off your back. <laughs> That's what they say about jiu-jitsu, stay off your back. But if you're good with jiu-jitsu and the other person is not, you know, you can you can bring that deceiving portion. That, you know, you, you can be on your back and then still take the, you know, still take the, the win on the fight. That's it. That's it. Um, yeah. So take us back. Take us back, Oscar. Um, uh, when was it that you realized that you had dyslexia? Uh, about two years ago, actually. Oh, wow. So, okay. yeah, it's very recent for me. I didn't know I had dyslexia. So I live all my life thinking, you know, on this deceiving game. I actually believe the deceive. I, I believe that I was less. I believe that I didn't, I wasn't smart enough in school. I believe a lot of things about myself that are completely wrong. Yes. Um, so I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't have a name. I thought dyslexia was, you know, just mixing the letters and, and skipping spelling, you know, st- stuff like that. Simple things that everybody can relate to dyslexia. But I didn't, I didn't know that uh, just the whole reading slow, understanding less than everybody else uh, was part of dyslexia too. So um, when I met Dean, he's, uh, he's, he's uh, the founder of uh, Noticeability. Um, yes. Yes. I was very new to the world of dyslexia. I didn't, I didn't know what it was. The only thing I knew was that my daughter, who was just going through kindergarten, uh, now she was struggling with school, and I saw myself in her. I saw right. that she was struggling with reading exact same way that I struggled. Uh, right. She was struggling with uh, things, and 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 I'm like, hmm, I wonder what's going on with her. So I started researching. Yeah. And I find out that, you know, it could be dyslexia. So we have her tested, and sure enough, she's got dyslexia. So then I went and got myself, I didn't get myself tested, but I went and got uh, uh, those uh, um, evaluation tests that you can, you can do online. And mm-hmm. I did one of those, and it says uh, very, dysle- very likely you have dyslexia because they have like four, four outcomes. You have unlikely, likely, um, uh, like medium, like low likelihood, medium likelihood, and very likely that you have dyslexia. Yeah. Well, I got a very likely that I have dyslexia. And then I went back and took the test a couple of days later, and I lied a little bit on the questions. I, I lied, and I make it look less severe, and I still landed on the very likely. So I was like, okay, I got dyslexia. Um, so then I started studying what dyslexia is, and I started looking into books and looking into all that. And uh, uh, Dean pointed me to this book that it, it talks about the strengths because all I was looking at was all the disadvantages of dyslexia. And that was very yeah. disappointing to see all that. And I'm like, okay, well, it's disappointing, but I know already. Uh, my problem is, uh, you know, I'm, I got my life made. You know, there's no go back, you know, going back for me. I'm, I'm, I'm to this point. So what's out there for the future generations? More specifically, what is out there for my daughter? Um, of course, yeah. So I started looking into all that and, and you know, found several solutions out there that, that we can talk about. Uh, but but my growing up was difficult just, just because I, I will see other kids, I will see other students and think to myself, boy, that kid is dumb, but he's making better grades than me. What does that mm. say about me? Mm. You know, so so that mm. that affected my confidence, that affected my uh, my ability to see myself succeeding in life. Mm. So, um, so yeah, it was it was it was rough and difficult. Yeah, huge. We had Dean on um, a couple of a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about um, very very articulately because he is he's a very articulate man about um, self esteem 
and about how when you're young and you're struggling with dyslexia, and as you say, you look around and you see, sorry, no, I know I'm more intelligent than that that person, but they're getting better grades than me. This this isn't this isn't adding up. This isn't making sense. So what a blessing it is that, that your daughter has has you who's gone through it, experienced it, and is and has experienced a dyslexia similar to hers, that you can go, hey. This is what we need to look at. These are things that we could utilize, strategies that we could potentially utilize in order to help you. Um, was Have you seen anything recently that you've gone, wow, now that would have really have helped me at school and something that you'll talk to your daughter about? Um, yeah, absolutely. So um, once I started realizing that my daughter is very much like me, in, in terms mm. of her dyslexia, because there is different levels of dyslexia and there's different types of dyslexia and there's different strengths for the people who have dyslexia, which I'm sure yeah. Dean spoke about those four. Uh, but mm. so I realized she's got dyslexia like I do. So I figured that mm. maybe her strengths on dyslexia are very much like mine. So something that I didn't have growing up, of course, was all the technology that we have nowadays. All this technology yes. that we have nowadays is... Is, is new. So what I did, I, I downloaded a book, uh, uh, a book for uh, for her on the tablet. And then I also got the audio book that goes along. So she can actually read the book and, and she can see it and follow it by somebody is talking, is reading the book. So, and she can see because the words highlight as, as the person is reading. Um, right. And, and that's very neat. And, and that's helping her. Uh, other things that I'm doing is, is uh, I'm a mechanical engineer, so I figure I have I have uh, some advantages on that you know engineering portion. Uh, so I downloaded a few uh, um, softwares that she can use. Uh, there's actually a website called uh, Thinkercard, um, Thinkercad, I think it's called, and um, what what you can do like 3D models and and programming and other th- things like that. And I I have her do some basic programming and, and I realized she can actually program very naturally. She learns a few basic things and then she can take on and, and she she starts programming little games by herself. And I'm like, okay, that's that's pretty cool. She's only seven. <laughs> She's already programming. That she yeah. got me be by six years old. Because I started programming when I was twelve years old. Uh, yeah. so so I'm like, okay, she she's she can do this. And uh she's also very uh uh good with when it comes with uh, to 3D models, for instance, she can actually take a 3D model and turn it around and, and play with it and modify the drawings. And, and she can do all these things on the computer. Like her mind can actually see all these things uh, as she's seeing it on the computer too. So so that that having that advantage, uh, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, I should imagine that's one of the, the cool things about being a dad as well is when you see, you see a, an element of yourself or a characteristic of yourself within this little this little being that you created. Yeah. Yeah, she's uh uh, <laughs> uh I wish she was not like me in many aspects. <laughs> but uh she she took uh, some to. of the good and, and some of the bad too. So so I got to I got to work on the so the bad things uh but you know, we all have bad things so. Of course we do. Good. Yeah. We have to make peace with those things, the great things our parents give us and then and then the things that we wish we could change but we find ourselves Repeating. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, those, those very unfortunate and the bad ones. But, uh, you know, it, it, they, come, they come with a good package. You know, it's, it's, it's a bundle deal, I guess. Uh, so you get all this bundle with uh, all, the, all this good stuff, which, you know, I'm going to 
make sure she understands she's got this strength and I'm going to reinforce yeah. that uh, so she can see herself. To me, what's more important in her life is that she grows up with confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Because not having that confidence is, is, is a big factor in many areas of your life. If you have mm-hmm. the confidence, you can do a lot of things. Uh, you can accomplish pretty much anything. Uh, but if you lack that confidence, that's that's a key ingredient in life. That's very key. So, so more than anything, you know, she can do painting, she can do programming, she can do 3D modeling, she can do whatever she wants to do at the end of the day. I don't really care. She's mm-hmm. going to have to discover that by herself. Uh, mm-hmm. But if I can help her grow up knowing and having that confidence, um, then I think I accomplished my job just because, um, unfortunately, I didn't have that. So, and, and it's costing me, it cost me many years. And still to this day, sometimes I doubt myself. I question myself. I stop myself uh, because the confidence is, is sometimes it drops. Uh, mm. Experience have taught me to bring my confidence level up. But at times it drops, and when it does, I can see it. I I, I delay on decision making. I delay on things, and I should not, mm. but I do. And and I I recognize that, and then I'm like, okay, I gotta work on that. So so it's a struggle. Yeah. So what is that going to look like? You know, uh, in the research you've done, but also knowing yourself um, and seeing the similarities between you and your daughter. What what are the things are you gonna do to keep her confidence level up? Well, I'm going to put her in places where she can uh, make wins. You know, I'm not going to make her mm-hmm. just have easy wins because that, that brings nothing for confidence. But sure. I'm going to put her in situations where she needs to struggle a little bit, but she can see the light at the end of the tunnel and she can see that she can get there. And then you know, celebrate her victories. Celebrate that, you know, she accomplished something. And then when she fails, make her understand that we all fail. There's, there's no yeah. one out there that does not fail. So when she does fail... Make her understand, okay, what did we learn? What did you learn about this situation? And, and how can you make it better? And I have seen her fail and she gets frustrated. And, and all I do is say, listen, all right, learn. What went wrong? And she starts questioning. She starts thinking. And then she goes through that process, that mental process of saying, okay, what happened? So analyzing, self-analyzing. And then, and then she can come up with a different strategy and implement that and see if it works. And if it does... She succeeded. And then when she does, then I go back and say, remember you failed? Remember you say you're never going to be able to do this? Now you have done it? Uh, just show her that she can win. And when she does then just help her uh, come up with a different strategy so she can um, uh, work on it in a different way. And I do want her other strategy to fail. I don't, I don't give her the answer because if I do, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm going to not help her. I'm going to do the opposite. Um, but I want her to struggle. I want her to uh, uh, come up with her own solution, her own strategy, and just and just continue. But one thing I'll never do is uh, see her fail and and just let her, let her give up. I'm not gonna mm. let her give up because I'm gonna be like, you can quit something, but don't quit because you fail. You quit yeah. because you're done with this task, or you quit because you're not interested on this anymore. Don't make failure be the reason you're quitting. Quite often our guests um, have a relationship to failure and how useful failure is. And they have quite a healthy relationship to it as as part of achieving something. You know, there will be a failure 
um, at some point. So is is there a portfolio or, 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 or um, something in, in, when you were attempting something that was particularly powerful for you in your life? Um, yeah, actually, there's there's uh, many, I guess. Uh, there's there's many, but I'll I'll, I'll start with the uh, with the one uh, I told you before we uh, via email. Um, mm. Where I got a, and and I don't call that a failure, but I I see that as a failure that the whole uh, <laughs> getting a B on on my grade for the programming class that I was I was in when I was back in high school. So and so we're doing this programming, and 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 in my case, I was like, uh, is this a joke? Are we gonna mm. get graded on this assignment, and this is gonna be? The biggest assignment of the semester, and we're gonna get great on this. This is so easy. I finished the the whole semester project within weeks, and I was I I thought I was doing something wrong at first, and that's where the confidence level portion comes in, and it was playing games in my mind. But I finished this assignment, and and I said this is easy. So then I started talking to other my peers, and I said, hey, "What are you doing?" And they're like, "Well, trying to figure out how to do this so I can actually do it." And and he's like, how are you doing? And I'm like, I think I'm done. And they laugh. And and I was like, let me show you. So me showing them was more getting feedback. So so I understand that I'm actually doing the job right because I wasn't sure yes. I was doing it right. Mm-hmm. Right? Again, the confidence level. So they see it and they're like, how do you do this? And and seeing their expressions give me all the feedback I needed. I'm like, okay, I'm on the right path. This is right. And, and I was like, well, it's easy. You know, this is what you do. And, and he's like, okay, oh, my God. And he's like, okay. So, and and I told him how to do it. And I walk him through the process. And then he went and talked to other people. And pretty soon the whole class was after me asking me, how do you do this? So I was teaching everybody how to yeah. do this. And this was something that we were going to get taught how to do throughout the whole semester. Um, so I told him. So within months, we were done. Uh, some of them took longer uh, but semesters, you know, they're not actually six months. They're like four and a half in high school. Yeah. So so we get to the end of the semester, and at the end, everybody's got, you know, if they didn't copy it because I didn't care, so I just gave it to them. You know, I gave them the program. I say, here, just modify it now so it doesn't look like mine. Uh, so I gave it to everybody <laughs> that asked for it. And if I didn't give it to somebody, I told them exactly how to do it. I, I sat with them and told them, how, this is how you do it. This is the program. Uh, so... It was, you know, there was one or two students who were all very smart and they did it on their own. But most of everybody in the class, you know, had my program or or did it because I told them how to do it. Um, and they got A's. Everybody got A's. And and I was so happy that they got A's. But then I got a B minus, I think it was. And I got a B minus. And I'm like, why did I get a B minus? And I remember uh, a professor, well, no, he was not a professor, teacher, Brown, Mr. Brown. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, Mr. Brown, how come I got a B minus? And he's like, your spelling is wrong. I was like, my spelling? This is a programming class. Yeah. This is not an English class. And, and he's like, yeah, but we have to evaluate everything. And I was like, that's disappointing. So I complained. I, I talked to uh, other teachers there, and uh, they told me, you know what, just, just forget it. And I said, no. No, I can't. I can't just let this go because everybody else got A's with the program, the assignment, and then on the requirements, it doesn't even say that 
you know, the criteria for the uh, uh, grades were spelled out, and the spelling was not one of those. But he found a way, and and that taught me a lesson. That that taught me that um, some people are just gonna get you somehow because whatever reason, mm. and you can't really let that, you know, distract you from everything else you're doing. Um, no. So and and if you get so bogged down with problems like that, you know, B minus is. I'm I'm the kind of guy that I never fought my scores in school. You know, if I got a C, I was happy because I'm a C minus type of student. Uh, as a matter of fact, if I if I ever got a B and I saw that question that was graded wrong, I still didn't go to the teacher and say, "Hey, you graded this one wrong," because I was fearful that he might find other things that I did wrong and my grade would actually be lower. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so that that didn't matter to me, but but. Uh, yeah, failure in my case, it, it played the other way. It, it 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 did not help me. It actually was on my way, but I didn't realize that until you many years later. So, w- w- when did you find programming? When when was um, that that sort of moment? Because quite often with with um, with our guests, uh, the struggle they have with their self esteem in school is mitigated by finding something that they are good at and excel in, and they actually found easy in comparison to you know maths or english or whatever it was science um and it and it really propelled them through school which can be quite a stressful um environment so for me uh programming was when i was 12 years old actually i think i was 11 uh 11 years old and my dad put me in a after school program for uh computers um was this in mexico or yes, in the US. this, this, this Mexico. is Mexico. And, um, you know, well, there was Windows back in those days, but that this class was not <laughs> Windows-based. This was DOS-based. And, yeah. and he, uh, you know, he put me there so I can learn programming and other things. And I find out that, that even though I was taking the classes, I was picking up everything very fast. And this class that he put me in was like a certificate class. So this is where adults go to get a certificate so they can get a better job in their current job. So you have, let's say you're a front desk and you just want to make it to accounting or something like that. This is the class that people will go and take, except this was not accounting. This was just general uh, computer knowledge. And um, so I was I was an 11-year-old in a class with a bunch of other adults. And, <laughs> and they were not understanding what, you know, many of the concepts. And I said, wow, adults are not understanding this. And I am. This is easy. How, how they're not understanding this? This is crazy. So uh, I, I realized then that uh, not, not only programming, but just uh, knowledge on, on just figuring out how things work together, uh, putting the puzzles together, I guess, if you will, uh, the electronic portions, the ones and zeros, all that stuff just came very natural for me. And uh, uh, that's what I realized that, you know, programming, it's, it's, it's easy. So when I went to college, I, I thought I was going to do computer programming. And I started with that career. Mm. And I realized that me sitting in front of the computer was not what I wanted to do. So that's when I started thinking, why am I doing this? I started analyzing myself and I said, well, I like, like robots. I like, you know, automation and stuff like that. So mm. I was like, maybe I thought that programming of robotics was what my interest was, but it wasn't. It was the actual mechanical portion. So that's when I switched to a mechanical, mechanical engineer major. 
uh, with, the, um, with the major in robotics. And uh, I, I switched to that. And, and, and one of the things that we were supposed to do in class was to do a, a program, uh, a, a robotic golf arm. So, so it's, it's just a Mitsubishi arm that can play golf. Uh, right, yeah, but yeah. Swing. One of, yeah, that's right. But one of, one of the things that uh, they didn't teach us in class was the programming that we needed to use to make this program work. And uh, so, and I never used, at that time, I didn't, I didn't know how to use Visual Basic, uh, which is what I used to make this program work. Because we have three different programming languages, the robotic arm, uh, camera, and then the uh, Visual Basic to have all the programs talk to each other. Um, so when I started using Visual Basic, I was like, I had never used this before, but I opened it, started looking into it, and I'm like, hey, this is just like everything else. So I started programming it, and, and even though I never knew how to use it, uh, once you know a language, I guess, you just kind of, like the other ones are somewhat similar. So, um, yeah. So so um, how was it getting in? So so you went to Washington State University um, yes. to do programming as a degree, and then you're there. So how was it getting in, in terms of um, your grades? Did, was it, did you have to do, um, uh, yeah. did you have to so, get your grades up to get in? No, no. Um, so I, I always tell people that I have a very blessed life. Like things come easy to me and I don't understand it other than God is blessing me. That's my only explanation. Um, so where most people have to, you know, take a SAT test so they can qualify to go in. Well, I just so happened to be in a school where they actually needed students to come in. So they made right. things a little bit easier. Uh, first of all, I, I did my associate's degree in a community college school, which you don't need to test to get in. You need you take a placement test just to see where you need to start. Mm. Note on that, uh, my placement test put me at high school level. So they're like, "You have you finished high school?" They ask, and I say, "Yes." They're like, "Well, you're still like on ninth grade, you know, so you're still pretty low on your high school level." So. You're going to have to start from the bottom. I mean, and we say bottom, I, we really mean bottom, bottom. You're not even taking college grade level classes. So I said, fine. So I took that. So I did that two years. And um, just, I mean, it was just equally as difficult as all my other schools. But this time I was paying for this thing and I and I wanted to succeed. And, and by the time I was three years, I, I took a gap. So after high school, Three years went by and I was working, doing everything else. And I said, I got to do something else. I can't do the rest, you know, I can do this the rest of my life. So I went back to school. Um, so I had very, very high motivation to succeed in school. So I went back. I did that struggle a lot, but I did it. Uh, math became my my favorite subject at that point. And then um, so I finished that. So having that uh, two-year, I was able to just transfer to a four-year uh, degree program. It just so happened that the school I went to, Washington State University, it had a campus in Vancouver, Washington, which mm. was only for masters and PhDs and uh, yeah. I think high level classes. They didn't have any freshmen. So the year I went, 2006, that was the first year they were accepting freshmen. So they were just taking in everybody. At least that's right. what I tell myself. So right. I was I was with that crowd and just went in. They're like, you're a transfer student, come on in. We don't need you to test, just come on in. So I went in. And um, and that's how I got in. But if I had to take a test to go in right now, I'd probably fail. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
no, I'm sure you're doing yourself a disservice there. You know, you, you know, you work super hard and clearly you, you, you care deeply, you know, you're passionate about, about um, programming. Um, I'm very passionate about learning. Uh, learning is one of those things that because I, I feel like I wasted all my youth or my younger years uh, not learning just because I, I was just struggling to survive, just making sure I passed to the next grade and the next level and the next class. Um, mm. So I was so preoccupied on, on, on passing school that uh, learning was not what I was doing. I was just making ends meet, I guess. Um, yeah. But learning is what I like to do now. Uh, that's why mm. I'm, I, I read books every day and, and, you know, like I'm every day I'm learning something and I actually had the opportunity to uh, 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 go to Harvard too. I went to Harvard's business school online. Yes. Uh, took two certificates there, um, take advantage of my job. They pay for any extra classes that I want to take or certificates. So uh, like every year I go to a different class or a certificate and, and, and just learn, keep learning. That's amazing. That's amazing. So, so why is it now you feel in a in a in a place, I suppose, with with the confidence that you might now have, um, to to be able to properly learn as opposed to like like you were saying, just get by. I don't know. I I think I think it's it's also a, a matter of pride. Um, one other things that that it, that happened to me growing up was my dad. My dad is a very intelligent person. He. He's one of those students that I hated growing up because he's the, he's the kind of <laughs> students that never study but always got an A. Right. Right, and yeah. He's he's yeah, his yeah, retention yeah. level is amazing. Yeah, I know. And and I used to be the bully that beat those guys up. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, just just my dad and he he was well intentioned. So I, I just want to start off with that. My mm. dad was well intentioned, but every time I came with a good grade, quote unquote, good grade like a C plus. Said, Dad, I got a C plus, and he's like, "You could have got a B." And then I was like, "Okay." So then I came back with the Bs. You know, sometimes I was like, "Hey, testing that," and I got a B. And he's like, "You could have got an A." Whenever mm -hmm. I came home with an A, he said, "You could have got an A plus," and I was like, "There's no A plus." And, and it's like, "Well, you could have got something better." He always <laughs> challenged me to do better, and and not, nothing was ever good enough. Uh, and he will all make see. He will always make those comments. He will always say. Not good enough, not good enough, not good enough. And and that growing up, I did not understand it. Trust me, I did not understand what he was doing. I was just like, my goodness, I, I, I'm never gonna be good enough for my dad and and I'm never gonna be up to his level. You know, he was he was uh, a state original champion on chess. I only the the most I was able to make was a uh uh what's it called? It's a local championship, basically um a uh, set of like 10 different schools, mm. uh, I I got a second place on chess. And that's mm. the most I was old. I was first place on my school. So out of my school, I was first place. Uh, but out of uh, a group of like 10 schools, it was, this is middle school, uh, I played second place. And then I went to the state championship. I got seventh place uh, out of eight, by the way, just so you know, <laughs> out of eight places. Um, so... Just never good enough was the model that I grew up with. Just never good enough. So now that yeah. I'm older and, and I'm grown and, and I can do, you know, my dad saying not good enough does not matter to me anymore. Uh, I'm, I'm curious. That made me curious all my life to see what is the limit. What is, how far can I get? How far can I 
can I go? How much can I actually accomplish? So I keep trying things. And I said, you know, one day I wake up and I'm like, I wonder if I can do this. And then I, I put myself into it and I finish it. And then I do mm. it. And I'm like, good. And what else can I do? So I start thinking about things. What can I do? What can I challenge myself with and see if I can do it? And then one day, two years ago, that crazy idea of, of having a uh, certificate out of one of those, you know, known Excuse. schools. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was like, I wonder if I can get into Harvard. <laughs> mm. So I was mm. like, well, let me give it a try. So that I apply, you know, I, I wrote a letter and, and I went through the whole process. And, and when I got accepted, I'm like, amazing. This is very cool. Mm. Uh, so I went into the class, I finished it, and then, uh, I just keep putting myself with different challenges. Right now, I'm also about to start another course. It's, it's a political course. I'm, I, I, I'm not a political guy. I'm not mm. into politics. But I like to know what's going on in the political world. So mm. just so I went to this uh, organization called uh, Heritage.org, uh, and it's well-recognized. Basically, uh, anybody who makes it into government, they send them there just to make sure they, they study and learn a little bit about uh, heritage politics, and they're well recognized, you know, uh, in politics. So I'm like, wonder if I can get into that. So I apply, and I actually got accepted. I'm like, cool. So Amazing. this may I'm gonna start with that. So it's so to me, it's 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 a challenge. What can I do, you know? And that's that's the same on all aspects of my life. You know, my health um, dropped like sixty pounds from a couple years ago when I was told that. I'm pre-diabetic. I'm like, yeah, I got to start working on that. So, you know, started working, getting lean. Uh, well, you look good. Now. <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you. I can um, tell you, listener, he looks good. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's just keep challenging myself. Finances, uh, my, you know, my physical well-being, my, my mind, spiritual life. Just keep challenging myself and see how far I can get. Mm. Um, is that why you're so keen with your daughter to celebrate her wins, you know? You, because you're keen to um, push her to challenge herself, but you were saying it's it's key also to celebrate the the wins as well. Yeah, yeah. So I each person gets motivated differently. Sure. So you know, me growing up with my dad telling me not good enough uh, motivated me for life. Up to this point, I'm still motivated by that. During that time was different. During that time was. I didn't like my dad very much, you know, coming back home with something that I was pride, you know. I was like so proud of myself that I accomplished something. I was like, oh, this is good. And then having him telling me, no, this is not good. And I'm like, ah. So now I'm, I'm thinking from my side and I'm also thinking from my dad's side. And I'm trying to take the best of both worlds. I'm trying mm. to do something for my daughter that can propel her to just keep pushing the limits and see how far she can get. Mm. But, but without having that immediate impact that I felt when I was younger, because that immediate impact did something to me. Uh, in the long run was beneficial and the short run, not so much. So I want to get the benefits of the long run without having that retrimand from the short term. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Talk to us about about your podcast. So, so you you leave Washington State. Um, you have success um, in engineering, and then you decide you're going to start a podcast, which is focused at Latino men and and helping them succeed and leave a legacy. 
And so what was the thinking behind that and, 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 and when did it start? So when I was living in Washington State, I started, um, I, w- I found myself between jobs at one point and, and I said, what can I do? And I knew doing the kind of work I do, it takes about three months or four months for me to find another job. So I said, I got a little bit of time, so I'm going to go and volunteer somewhere. And I ended up volunteering in a, in a place called Central Latino, which is a nonprofit that helps the Latino community in Washington State. So I went there and started, you know, I said, hey, can, can I volunteer? Can I do something? Can I help? And they're like, sure. What can you do? And I said, well, I don't know. I, I, there's a number of things I can do. And I said, what do you need? And they're like, well, we need someone to teach people how to use the computers. It's like, okay, I can do that. So they put me in that. I started working there. And uh, a few months later, I found myself with another job. And and I tell them, okay, I'm, I got another job, so I'm going to have to quit. And and they're like, well, can, we, we, we really like you. We want to keep you on board. But we understand you don't have the time anymore. So we want to extend an invitation to become a board member. I said, wow, a board wow. member. And I was like, are you sure? And they're like, well, we're going to vote it. And, and if all the other members say yes, then yes. And I said, that's interesting. So I asked, what's it going to take? And, and they told me everything. So long story short, they, they voted me in, and I started going and there as a, as a board member. <clears throat> started helping the uh, Spanish community up in, up in Washington State, working with everybody there. Um, and then I, it occurred to me that outreach to the community can be expanded if we have a podcast. Mm. I said, well, the people can come here, they can call, we can help them and all that, but we can also provide a lot of information we provide already here to the masses if we do a podcast. So I proposed mm. that idea, they liked it, they're like, go, do it. And I said, fine. <laughs> so I started working on that. And then, uh, and then uh, a job opportunity came up in Alabama. So my wife and I talked about it. She didn't want to come to Alabama. I didn't want to come to Alabama. But we believe in God, and we believe that God got us here. So we moved to Alabama. And uh, just for the listeners out there, uh, all the roads are paved. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's, it's been great. This is Alabama. It's, it's, the hospitality here is amazing. People is amazing. The, the community, the, yeah. the, the sense of community here, it's, it's outstanding, more than I have ever seen anywhere else. You know, I can go and talk to my neighbors. I can go and talk to people from church, and I can go and talk to a lot of people. Very friendly, so I love it here. Um, so in any case, I call Central Latino, and I ask them, are you guys going to do the podcast? And they're like, well, no, you were the you know brains behind it, so we're not going to do it. Um and I said, okay, fine. Do you mind if I take that idea and do it on my own? They're like, well, it was your idea to begin with, so go and do it. We're, we're not going to do anything with it. I said, fine. So I talked to my wife, and I said, hey, you, you know, can I do this? You know, will you support me in, in time and uh, patience with me doing this podcast? And she's like, yes. So I started doing the podcast, and I, found, uh, I started you know, doing all the funding and everything out of my own pocket. So I became a uh, guy who does it all. I just do all the podcast production and everything else. Now I got a little bit of help. Now I have a couple mm. of people helping me with uh, finding the guest and uh, uh, help me with marketing. And and uh, and I got a a guy who's an influencer in uh, Instagram, uh, not Instagram, but uh, LinkedIn, and took my account and from seventy five followers uh, a few months back to some two thousand followers or. Yeah, almost 2,000 followers now. 
So in just a few months. Uh, so working with people is great just because yeah. they can do a lot more than I can. So um, anyway, so so the podcast is, is the same concept. The, the, the initial idea, the original idea is how can we put information out there to help other people so they become better men. Um, mm. and, and in my case, I was just focusing on men just because I'm a man and I can relate to the needs of a man. Sure. Um, although the audience... I, I got a like a 40 60 split somewhere around there, you know, 40% being woman and 60% being man. Mm. Uh, it's a lot of women out there that listen to the podcast and they enjoy it. So I'm glad they, they can do that. And I'm hoping they can get their husbands to listen to it too. Yeah. So, so in any case, that's, that's the whole idea. I mean, just have information that is useful in some way, shape or form. So somebody can benefit out of that. So mm. I bring topics from, you know, health, and, and it's basically my life. The, the podcast is a representation of my life. Uh, yeah. How can you be better uh, healthy, uh, your strength, your stamina, your mind, your spirit, just, just all aspects of life? How can you improve just a little bit? Uh, and that's, that's all we talk about there. And and what, what are your hopes and aspirations for it? You know, in in the future. What, well, it's a, it's a twofold question. What do you want to achieve with the pod? And then and then what do you want to achieve with with uh, your career moving forward? So I uh, I guess I, I that's that's an excellent question because I'm I'm still trying to figure that one out. Um, as far as the podcast, of course, everything I do, it's driven by success. I I want to succeed in the things I do. Mm. So I need to define what that looks like so I know that I got there once I get there. Yes. Um, so I'm, I'm working on that front. Uh, on, on another side, as far as my career, I love what I do. Uh, my dyslexia allows me to do what I do and, I, and it allows me to do it very well. Uh, and, and, and it sounds like I'm bragging, but, and, and maybe I am, but that's not the intent. Um, you can brag about that here on this podcast. That's fun to, to brag <laughs> yeah. about that. Yeah, so with my dyslexia, my, my mind constantly changes focus on, on things very fast. I can focus on something for a period of time, and then I have to change it to something else. What I do for a living, I, I manage capital projects, investment mm-hmm. projects. And, and you know, so right now I have probably like mm, around $15 million on my plate worth of projects. Wow. That's not one project. That's a number of different projects. Yeah. And in my mind, I can jump from one project to another, and each project's got a number of tasks, and each task got a number of subtasks. So there is too many moving pieces on each project. And, um, and I, I believe because of my dyslexia, I can keep up with everything. Uh, my organization skills are okay, mm. but just the fact that I can – uh, split my mind, and I don't multitask. I don't think anybody can, but I can split my mind in time and say, okay, I'm focused on this, get this done, accomplish all that goal, move on to the next one. And I'm talking about within 20 minutes, I can close the book on something and open it on something else and full concentration now on the new topic. So my full mind is on one topic. And then as soon as I get start getting distracted with that one, I know my time is up and I go to the next one. So I move on and cycle through all of them. Mm. And, and that's why very little slips my mind as far as, you know, getting something done. Um, I, know, I know my boss is happy. He just gave me a, a, a promotion not too long ago. 
That's uh, great. Let's, let's see if I can speak to that because I'm not <laughs> sure who's going to be listening. He told me to keep it quiet, so let's just leave it at that. Um, yeah, all right. We'll keep it just between us. Yeah. Yeah, just between us. So, <laughs> so anyways, uh, so that's that's what my career. My I love my career, and and I love it so much that I can do it until I retire. That's that's how much I love it. Um, mm. But then on the other side, on the other side of me, it's also well, you know. What, what else can I do? You know, that question keeps coming back in my mind. And I say, well, can I make a living out of the podcast? I say, yeah. well, maybe. So I'm, I'm aiming for that. Um, and that's the reason I still do the podcast. I mean, I've been doing it for a year and a half now. And it doesn't seem like traction is, it picks up like I want it to. It, it does pick up traction. And I find wonderful people. And people reach out to me. And they thank me for the podcast, some of the podcasts that I do. Um, so it's, it's, the response is mixed, but, but the only reason I keep doing it is because I, I think I have not accomplished what I want to call. I don't have the feeling that I have got to the place where I need to be in terms of this podcast. So I keep pushing for this and I have no, um, ending in my mind at this point. I, I don't, I don't see, I'm going to end it, you know, after three years or five years or 10 years. I don't have that in mind. My mind is is like this. Who is the best one out there? Well, Joe Rogan is the best one. Okay. Well, let's be the next Joe Rogan. <laughs> that's that's what's in my mind. Amazing. Um, as as a name, um, and, and we wish you luck with that endeavor, Oscar. Um, thank you so much for giving us your time. We really appreciate it. Um, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Words Fail Me, a podcast about thriving with dyslexia with me, Jude McGowan. My guest today was Oscar Armandariz. This podcast was funded by the National Lottery Community Fund and Epic Projects, or the Ecumenical Project for International Cooperation. Epic is a US-based non-profit organization. Epic creates bonds among caring people devoted to solving global challenges of poverty, food insecurity, environmental degradation, human rights, and making peace. Go to their website, epicprojects.org. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please go rate and subscribe and leave us a little review even. It really helps us grow.